Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Yo, welcome to the bar, come on and pull up a seat And open up your Bible, what a wonderful feast The living bread and we're discussing what it means for the streets The inner cities and the burbs and every person we meet This where we challenge worldviews that we hear from world news In light of the scripture, we are here to serve you We're your source for resources To help you on your way as you battle mean forces This is for the people who can see the importance Of sound theology and the scripture that support it And this is for the truth lovers, biblically reforming, preaching Christ to the nations Yeah, welcome to the modern the Reformation, yeah. The Bar, Biblical and Reformed. Welcome everybody to The Bar. It's your boy Dwayne in the building. Right back in here another Tuesday. Super excited as always. Be coming through your speakers, through your earbuds, wherever you listen to The Bar. We're grateful that you are listening. And I love to start the show off the same way by thanking the listeners. Thank you guys for listening to The Bar, tuning in to The Bar. And big shout out to those that came to G3. We're live at G3 now. And uh, it's just so touching to see Bar listeners face to face. And I appreciate you guys stopping by and showing us love. And like I do every week, I bring in awesome guests. Big shout out to my sister April for uh, hooking me up with this young man here. Uh, we're going to talk about some really interesting things, but I have on none other than Pastor Steven. How you doing, man? Pretty good, Dwayne. I appreciate this opportunity. Yes, sir. Yes, yeah. sir. I'm excited to have you on. Uh, April has not stopped talking about <laughs> the new church and things we got going on. You even suggested that she might need to come yeah, on the I show. think she'd be better than me. <laughs> I do. Good deal, man. So I always like to start the show off by giving my uh, listening opportunity, I mean, my guests an opportunity to introduce yourself, share anything you want to share, personal professional. Just give us a little background on you. Lord and mercy. Well, my name's Steve, and I bang on about helping small churches have a big impact. And for 30 years, we've been practicing ancient church growth strategies mm. that Jesus left the early church. Mm-hmm. And this is stuff to liberate small church pastors from conventional, unbiblical expectations and downloading how the early church did things. So, you know, did you know, Dwayne, the Bible says they turned the world upside down in the first century? It yeah. says that. Their enemies said that. Well, you know, they did it using some of these early church practices that nobody knows about today, mm. not because it ain't true, but because it ain't studied. Mm. And so it hadn't been found and tried wanting, it just hadn't been found. Mm-hmm. Well, we found it. So for 30 years, all over the world, China, India, Sri Lanka, Russia. Mm-hmm. We've been talking about this, and we finally decided it's time to do it right here now in these here new United States of America. <laughs> and so this is our first conference okay. we've ever done mm-hmm. right here at G3. Okay. And so that's what we talk about. So I, I came from a uh, Methodist background. And then I got saved and I turned Baptist. And then I've picked up the doctrines of grace along mm-hmm. the way. Mm-hmm. And um, I went from being a traditional Baptist pastor to being a nut. <laughs> That's what some people think. So we're still Baptist. We're Southern Baptist. Mm-hmm. Doctrines of grace. But uh, our churches that we start are all New Testament size. You know, in the early mm-hmm. church, 
There wasn't no church building. Right. They met in people's homes. Yeah. And they did that for the next couple of hundred years. Mm. So everything in the New Testament was written to a church that met in somebody's living room, Dwayne. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, 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 and we're not pushing house church, but what we are saying is it's designed to work in a smaller setting. Gotcha. And so we can't all be like John MacArthur. Right. I, you know, I just, that's just the truth of it. Yeah. And so we shouldn't even try to be. So what we <laughs> ought to do is, is, is there are some things we can do as small churches, because mm-hmm. you're in a small church, yeah. kind of, aren't you? Mm-hmm. And so there's 400,000 churches in America mm. of 100 people or less. Wow. And so we want to empower those guys to, to do the best they can and take advantage of what we would say are divinely designed size advantages mm-hmm. and not try to do like the big churches do. Gotcha. And so, but what we're missing an opportunity because we try to be like the big churches and we just mm. can't compete with that. Mm. So we need to go back. I think we do things the way Jesus set it up. Right. Whoop, what you talking about? There's some <laughs> blessing in that, brother. That's awesome. That is awesome. Well, I, I appreciate that. And my listeners, I'm sure they can hear your passion about that. <laughs> Um, and, and, and I love it. I'm, I'm excited to, to dig in a little bit deeper. Um, I'm going to back up though. I want to hear, uh, how did you get to the place where you even decide to go outside of conventional ideas? Like, how did we get to that place? I was traditional pastor of a Southern Baptist church or pastor of a traditional Southern Baptist church too, <laughs> all throughout the 1980s. Uh-huh. And, um, we used every gimmick that came down the pike from the Southern Baptist Convention on how to grow your church. Right. We had about 300 people coming, but the auditorium would seat 1,000. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to fill that rascal up. <laughs> and But nothing we did work. I mean, we tried everything they said. You know, Southern Baptist is pretty good at gimmicks. Mm-hmm. But they used to be. Pragmatism. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What works? Well, anyhow, it didn't work for us. But it kept driving me back to the Bible. And I thought, well, how did the... Or regional church do it. Maybe they did something we're missing. Mm. And I started seeing all these things in the Bible that we weren't doing. And I got a little bit, uh, well, disturbed mm-hmm. that we weren't doing it. And and so I felt the desire to do it that way. And Lord gave us an opportunity. That's here in Atlanta. We started a church in Chattanooga. Mm-hmm. And we decided from the ground up that church would be more of a New Testament Example mm-hmm. and the way they did things. They're still Baptist, but do some of these practices that the early church did that I wasn't able to do in my traditional church. Okay. And they did it. They started that church doing these basic early church practices. And I would go up there and work with them. And I saw it lived out. It was so attractive to me. So mm-hmm. I guess I could say, Dwayne, that I studied myself out of a job. <laughs> and my church, I was a reformer. <laughs> For, I was a Puritan for seven years. Then I became a separatist in uh, love. They love me and I love them, but I wanted to be free to work with churches right. that were more geared toward New Testament. So in 91, mm-hmm. I, my last traditional sermon was, should Christians go to war? And it was when the start of the first Gulf War back mm-hmm. under Bush mm-hmm. Sr. Yep. And that was my last traditional sermon in a traditional church. And the next week, I was out planting nice. uh, more of a New Testament style church. So that's how that that's okay. how that happened. So yeah. I'm, I'm people can't see, but I'm holding my fingers crossed because I want to remember another question. But I got another question to get to because this okay. has really got me intrigued. Uh, so for for those that are listening, like what what makes you feel like, or why haven't anybody else discovered this? Like what? <laughs> What did what did we miss when we were reading Acts that you grabbed? What like 
is there anybody else, you know, doing going this route? I'm just curious. Like, if I was the only one that saw this in the Bible, I guarantee you it ain't true. <laughs> and I was concerned about that. So, of course, I, I I researched it, and we have produced a book that looks at the biblical basis for this, what the scholars all say about it, uh-huh. and how to do it in the 21st century. So, the, here's the fact of the matter. The scholars of every denomination, Catholic, Lutheran, Orthodox, even Baptist, they'll tell you, yep, that's how the early church did it. Mm -hmm. So that makes me feel good when they all say it. Mm -hmm. What's disturbing is none of them do it. Mm. So they've evidently decided it's not that important. Mm. Now, for example, they wore togas. Everybody agrees with that, (laughs) but nobody's saying we ought to do that today. Well, that's what they say about these practices and uh, I also discovered throughout history, and I mean all throughout history, there have been a small but steady group of people who said, oh, we need to do things like the early church did it. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of churches today operate on what I call the Constantinian model. Big changes happened okay. when, le- when Christianity became the official religion of the Roman Empire. That's when all these things changed. Got it. And a lot of times our churches go back to the Reformation. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they just took Catholic churches and made them Protestant churches. Uh, mm. uh, I mean, the theology got right, but yeah. the practice was still awful Catholic. And so we're saying, let's go back beyond the Reformation. Let's go beyond Constantine. Mm-hmm. Let's look at how the other church did it. So I forgot what the question was. No, oh, yeah, how, yeah. oh, that's what I was going to say. So actually, these are things have been known yeah. and studied. But the reason they're not discussed in seminary is because they have been dismissed as less than important, mm. like wearing togas. And I'm not talking about wearing togas or lighting our meetings with oil lamps. I'm talking about their basic ecclesiology and these New Testament patterns. Let me give you an example. Every church, a lot of churches, mm-hmm. meet on Sunday. Well, why is that? It's never commanded that we meet on Sunday. Right. But that was a New Testament practice. Mm-hmm. It's in honor of the day that Jesus rose from the dead. Right. Well, it's not commanded, but we do it mm-hmm. because that's what they did. Right. Believers' baptism. Mm-hmm. Baptists do it because that's the New Testament pattern. It never says you cannot baptize infants, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but Baptists say, well, the pattern is to only baptize believers. Right. Separation of church and state. That's a big Baptist thing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That's why we do it in America, because the Baptists of Danbury, Connecticut. Well, they said the pattern is not to mix, uh, have, have the state and the church all in mm-hmm. together, welded together. All right. That's a pattern. Well, what we started saying is, what about the other practice patterns? Not, for example, ready for an example? Yeah, I'm it ready. is a fact. This sounds, this sounds crazy. Okay? okay. It's a fact. Thanks, that, thanks for prepping me. Go ahead. All right. Well, I, I've, I, all right. the early church celebrated communion uh-huh. every Sunday uh-huh. as an actual meal. Uh-huh. They had the one cup, the one loaf. Mm hmm. But it was in the context of a meal. Mm. Now, that just sounds crazy. Oh, that's nuts. Well, it's not nuts. The scholars of every denomination will tell you that. It's obvious in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. It's obvious throughout church history for mm-hmm. the next couple hundred years. And the scholars always say that. Well, if that idea didn't come from Jesus, where'd it come from? Mm. And if it did come from Jesus, do we really want to blow that off? Is right. optional? So right. that's an example of it. I'm not talking about wearing togas. I'm talking about... <laughs> talking about how do they do the Lord's Supper? How do they do their worship services? How do they do their church government? Mm -hmm. What about the size of their churches? Mm -hmm. See, that's the kind of stuff we're looking at. Gotcha. Wow. I love it. So, no, it's not that this is unknown. Mm -hmm. It's just 
it's been dismissed as unimportant. So I went through all seminary. I didn't learn any of this. Right. And But it's only because our gimmicks didn't work mm-hmm. that I was driven back to Scripture, and I mm-hmm. thought, this is beautiful. Right, right. And so the question is, oh, no, nah, why do we have to do things the way they did them? The question is, why would you want to do it any other way? Right, right. And so all I can say is, for the last 30 years, this is what our churches have done. Mm-hmm. It's been a tremendous blessing. We want to let other people in on the blessing. Right. And we're not saying everybody else sinning if they don't do it our way. We're not saying that. <laughs> we're saying you're missing a blessing. Right. Gotcha. So, okay. Yeah. I it. love it. I love it. So I'm going to go to my finger cross question. Okay. So you, you mentioned that your last traditional sermon. So does yeah. this affect your sermon as well? We believe very much in the importance of expository Bible teaching. A major part of our meeting together Mm -hmm. is the systematic exposition of Scripture. But we don't typically do the traditional sermon that could be broadcast over the radio. Uh, In Acts, Paul visited that church and he spoke all night. Mm -hmm. The Bible says, the King James says he preached. Mm-hmm. It looks like the mother of all sermons. Right. But the Greek word for preach is not there. It's the Greek word from which we get our English word dialogue. Mm. And it, it could even mean in the Greek argument. Okay. And so Paul didn't just pontificate as if on the radio. He did most of the talking, but it was a dialogue. It was oh. back and forth. And so our pass, our messages are, because our churches are intentionally smaller, mm-hmm. Roman Villa sized, mm-hmm. the teaching can be more interactive or Socratic. Mm-hmm. And so uh, you, you could see it as an interruptible lecture if you wanted to, okay. but people ask questions, they make comments, it's okay to disagree. Mm. Uh, and so that's that's it, how it's different. It's not three points and a point. Right. It's not what Christism did in the early days. It's it's more of a dialogue, it's more Socratic. Mm. I, I guess you could call it a Sunday school lesson. I don't mean by that it's boring. I mean, you want to be animated. <laughs> I, I you enjoyed have Sunday school. Like, well, I used thanks. to hitch a ride to Sunday school you when did. I was a kid because my parents <laughs> didn't get up early. So I would get up and go down the street and ride with Miss Odell to Sunday school because I wanted to go. Well, that's why you turned out so good, brother. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> no, that's awesome, man. That is awesome. So, And, and that's, I, I mean, that... that rung a bell when you said, you know, traditional sermon. Um, and and I think that would also be encouraging for, like you said, a lot of the smaller churches and the small church model. Because uh, again, my background, charismatic, it was all about copying whatever T.D. Jakes did. Yeah. You know, because yeah. you wanted to be the Potter House. You know, everybody right. wanted to be, you know, whoever. But that I, I think that's really cool, man. So uh, you, I, I, I am really, really enjoying this. And, and I, I said I'll hold you for about 15 minutes. But if you got just a few more for just a couple more points, I, I, w- I would love to go there before my break. My listeners are going to freak out because I'm usually like in and out done. So <laughs> we talked about the sermons changing. What, yeah. what is another just, you know, because we want people to get the book. We're going to have the book in yeah, the, in the show book. notes. Uh-huh. But what is another, uh, we talked about sermon, we talked about communion, communion. being an actual That's meal. right, that's right. What is another um, aspect that you would love to share? Oh, this others? is a big one. Okay. okay. Worship services are not supposed to be a spectator sport. Uh, okay. It's, I agree with that. In 1 Corinthians 14, <laughs> or 11, 12, 13, 14, that whole section is about 
church meetings. Right. And when he's dealing with what we call today a worship service, you know, you go to a full service gas station mm-hmm. in the old days. They came out. They did everything for you. They pumped the <laughs> right. gas. They checked the oil. They well, clean your windows. Clean your windows. Right. Well, w- church is not supposed to be like a service. service. Okay. Mm-hmm. It says in 1 Corinthians 14, what is it then, brethren, when you come together? Each one has, mm-hmm. and he lists all these spiritual gifts, music and teaching among them. Mm-hmm. So and in and, and Hebrews uh, chapter 10, somewhere in there, it says, uh, don't forsake the assembly. Right. He says, before you come, consider how to stir one another mm. up to love and good deeds. So church is not about one man, right. me, the pastor. It's about one another. Each one of us using our spiritual gifts, especially your spoken gift, right. as led by the Spirit, mm-hmm. to what? Build up the body, to edify the body. So our church, the first hour of our church, mm-hmm. I'm not the star player. I'm the coach on the sidelines. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. want to be a star player. Right. And my job is to be sure that what's said is edifying, but our first hour is singing and testimony. Mm-hmm. And we encourage people to get up and share, what's the Lord showing you this week? Mm-hmm. Did you have an answer to prayer? Mm-hmm. Did you have an evangelistic opportunity? Have you got a word of exhortation for the brothers? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And my job is to keep it edifying, mm-hmm. but that's a big change. That's the first right. hour. Second hour is teaching. The rest of the day is the Lord's Supper's a meal. We start at 1030. Mm-hmm. There's still people there at 430. Wow. They like it. No, you, we, you can so, leave whenever you want to, but they like it that much. We used to have long services where I grew up, but they weren't eating it. They weren't little, that fun. It wasn't that fun, for yeah, sure. Our Dwayne, you get Dwayne. See, my Dwayne in my church, he's always the last one to leave. He's the man that's going to be there at 430. Wow. Our Dwayne. You need to come meet our Dwayne sometime. I need Y'all to, enjoy man. talking to each other. I need to. Yeah. Awesome, brother. Well, listen, right here, we're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Compelled Podcast. I'm its host, Paul Hastings, and we use gripping, immersive storytelling to say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, Hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Celebrate the powerful ways God is transforming Christians around the world. This season, listen to Catherine, who at age 15 was sentenced to eight years in prison for grand theft auto, larceny, arson, and more. But when she escaped state custody and started hitchhiking across the nation, she was picked up by a country pastor who would share a message with her that would transform her life. Jim was deployed to the Middle East as part of a Navy SEAL team in 2005. Partway during their deployment, his team suffered devastating losses in the mountains of Afghanistan. As Jim grappled with crippling grief, he clung to the one who offered any glimmer of hope. Hormos once shouted death to America in the streets of Tehran. But after doubts crept into his heart about Islam and his wife found the Lord, he was forced to reckon with what he really believed. Listen to these stories and more by searching for Compelled on your favorite podcast app or by visiting compelledpodcast.com. All right, we're back in here uh, with, with my, my new friend, 
uh, Pastor Stephen, and I, I really enjoyed this conversation. Uh, you really got my my ears twitching and my my uh, just all all the bat bat sensors are going off. Uh, I'm really intrigued by this, and 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 I definitely appreciate it. So on this side of the podcast, we do what we call the bar signature what signature questions. I got the tongue tied. Mm. These are three questions I ask all of my guests, no matter who they are. And so the first signature bar question is. What kind of music do you listen to? Oh, well, I'm embarrassed to admit. Well, this is the bar, so you're Okay, safe. brother. I like 1920s jazz. Nice. And when I, was, I was, when I was in college, I had a Dixieland band. I played trombone in it. Okay. And because, you know, all that kind of dates from that. And I had, I, I switched over. Oh, slide, I man. bought a tenor banjo <laughs> at a pawn shop. And when somebody else had a solo, when I wasn't playing my slush pump, I was playing that tenor banjo. Back wow. up. And, and then the band went away, and trombone ain't much good without a band. Right. So years later, when I started my first church, mm-hmm. nobody could play an instrument. Mm-hmm. My trombone wasn't much good. So I got that banjo out. And so we played Christian songs to my tenor banjo, brother. <laughs> but So I, to this day, enjoy... 1920s jazz, Bix Beiderbecke, Louis yeah, Armstrong, yeah. guys like Sash that, Mo. Paul White, Sash Mo. Yeah, I, a lot of people think oh, he is he is a nut. That proves it. But I like that. I love so that's that. That's what man. I listen to. Good. Oh, I, that's the kind of music I like as well. Yeah. All right, next signature bar question is: What book or books are you currently reading? Ah, well, um, I just got a book by George Grant on Margaret Sanger. Okay, and I've been reading that. And, you know, they've whitewashed that woman and made her appear like a saint, but she wasn't. She was oh, a no. sinner. She was a wicked, <laughs> evil woman, eugenics. Oh, yeah. And so I'm, I'm they're pulling the cover the, yeah. off of that. That's what, that's what I'm reading right now Okay, about Margaret Sanger. All right. Last signature bar question is what podcasts or sermons do you listen to, if any? I enjoy Al Mohler. Mm, when mm-hmm. I was, uh, I used to direct the college department at First Baptist Birmingham when he was a lowly student at Samford. Wow. And I got him coming to First Baptist Birmingham back in the day. And uh, now he's famous and I'm nobody, but <laughs> from a distance, I appreciate him. Right. And I listen, I enjoy his uh, daily briefings. Yeah. I like yeah. that. And uh, of course, I like John MacArthur's stuff. It's very interesting to right. me. Right. And, uh, so, Good deal. Yeah, I catch well, a lot of people just on the radio driving around. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah on my banner over there is a quote from Al Mohler when I interviewed him on the show. Oh, yeah. Cool. He said, uh, he said, you're not you're not just the bar, you're raising the that's bar. That's a pretty good quote. It I is. saw that over it there. It is, man. So yeah. but yeah, no, that's awesome. Well, listen, man, I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for coming over. Um Big shout out to April for for connecting. Well, thank us. you for the opportunity, brother. Hey, yeah. tell them they got that book for. I, tell you what, I will send your listeners this book for free if they ask for it on our website. Send me the tell them through the website. Contact It'll be in the us. Links. Mm-hmm. Say I want the book. Give me your address. Gratis, brother. Like your salvation. It's free. Yes, sir. So send it to them. Wow. Okay, you heard that, listeners. The link to their website will be in the show notes. Uh, if you want the book, just go and uh, contact the church, ask for the book for free, and uh, they will send it to you. Stephen, thank you so much. Thanks for the opportunity, Dwayne. God yes, bless sir. you, brother. Yes, sir. To the Bar listeners, appreciate you guys listening to the Bar Podcast every Tuesday, your favorite podcast. Make sure you go to thebarpodcast.com. Check out all the episodes. Also, make sure you check out everybody in the network, the Bar Podcast. And make sure you go to thebargear.com to get some bar gear. And until next time, God bless. And we are out.
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.